With 80 plus episodes in the vault and more than $3 million in total compensation increases received by The Secrets Village, KP and PR are still dropping jewels. Secrets continues to validate that you are not crazy with the challenges faced in trying to reach and exceed your career aspirations. A listener describes Secrets as helping to pinpoint areas I need to develop and conversations I never knew I needed to hear. And season five will definitely not disappoint as they continue to deliver secrets on how to advocate for yourself, how to become a better ally, and how to increase your market value by building generational wealth. Your hosts, Keith Powell and Ricky Robinson, have paid their dues to reach the top of corporate America, and they want to share their stories with you to transform your journey. And this groundbreaking podcast challenges you, as well as corporate America, to be better and do better. KP and PR will bring you more tips and tricks on how to advance your career. So fill up those cups and welcome to season five. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Secrets. Ricky, what's happening today, my brother? Man, you know, Keith, sometimes we feel like there will be nothing to talk about on the podcast. We feel like, hey, we've talked about everything but the world just keeps on giving us content to work with, right? Don't they? Don't they? <laughs> and as much, as much as we wanted to leave this alone, okay, this particular subject, you know, we couldn't let the moment go by without talking about Mr. Kanye West. Oh, yeah. A.K.A. Yay. <laughs> Whatever that means. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Yay. So, KP... It may be helpful to bring the village up to speed on what the latest series of unfortunate events that have come from Ye. Like, so just bring us up to speed. I know we talk about the stuff all the time. We watch Mm -hmm. TMZ and everything else that comes out. But talk about why we're talking about this today. Yeah, probably the two people in the world that don't know about this at this point. I'm bringing up to speed. But at the end of the day, Ricky, this brother needs some help. Because yeah. something ain't right. Something ain't screwed tight. I don't know what it is, but he just seemed to fall off the rails here. But here's what got Ye in hot water on a recent Drink Champs podcast. He was on the podcast and it aired a few weeks ago in October. Ye did what he does. He made some outrageous comments that eventually caused financial backlash from him and many of his brand partners, right? In the podcast, this cast said, I can say anti-Semitic things and Adidas can't drop me. I mean, he tried to act like he on a rap. <laughs> you know, it's like a what? lyric on his rap album. But after he finished saying it, then he said, like, now what? Now what? <laughs> <laughs> you coming for me? You coming for me? Like, dude. And then he repeated several anti-Semitic conspiracy theories, doubling down on them in subsequent interviews that followed. And the cherry on the top for Ye was him getting on Twitter and saying, I'm about to go DEFCON 3 on Jewish people. Bruh, come on, man. How do you think that's a good idea? Yeah. I mean, even if you might have thought it was funny, like, I haven't heard anything on here that's funny. I mean, because this is sad. Now, I know he had the downward spiral after he lost his mom. You know, I totally get that. But at some point, you can't make excuses for people because the crazy comment is what the crazy comment is. Yes, you know, at that at the end of the day. Now, KP, when when we was growing up, I mean, this just reminds me when we was growing up, we used to call this type of behavior like trying to punk somebody. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Getting up in their chest and in their face, right? You got that stick or that song on your show, you be like, knock it off. I dare you. I right. dare you to knock it off. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You ain't gonna do nothing, right? So it's like, so telling someone if I do this, 
you ain't going to do a damn thing about it, right? Mm -hmm. In fact, if you do do it, okay, this is akin to us saying, I dare you to do something about it, or better yet, I double dog dare you, (laughs) you know, to do something about it. But let's just say that the joke was on Ye this time, as several of his major brand partners, they just kicked him to the curb, you know, to, to the likes of Adidas, Gap, Balenciaga, and creative arts agency. Like, I'm just naming just a few of those. In essence, his time on the Forbes richest list will probably take a major hit in the years to come here based off of him just falling off the rails. Yeah, that fool had had a nerd to put out another Twitter that says, I lost billions today, but I'm still here. (laughs) <laughs> like okay. okay okay all right if that's the way you feel about it but yeah, i think yeah. that's stupid and i don't know about you but i just think that's dumb yeah and i think he should take the hit at the end of the day because he knows better and he should do better and this all of this recent rise in anti-semitic dialogue that's going on around the world and especially in this country right now is just crazy because outside of kanye we've all seen donald trump post on his network that Jews must, quote, get their act together. Or in Pennsylvania, you got the gubernatorial candidate, Doug Mastriano. He attacked the Jewish community and his Jewish opponent, Josh Shapiro, repeatedly kind of invoking all these anti-Semitic tropes. And another cat, unstable cat, I might add, recently, Kyrie Irvin. That dude, whew, he's saying crazy shit, too, about Jewish people, which is all of this stuff is just just unbelievable. And not to mention him already saying the, the world is flat. Right. The <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> these are the people that, that are getting airtime here, man. Exactly. Ain't nothing flat but your brain, Kyrie. That's yeah, right. we're talking about this type of stuff. <laughs> and all of this just leads us to today's conversation, where in this episode, we'll talk about our experiences with anti-Semitism and how it shows up in the workplace. We'll provide you receipts on the impact of anti-Semitism. And we'll close out by providing a double dose of secrets today on how to combat anti-Semitism in your personal life and as an organization. So look, Keith, this is just going to be a crazy episode when you're really just kind of thinking about the fact that we're even talking about this, you know, and and, and let's just be honest. Our listeners say, hey, Keith and Ricky, what do y'all think about this? They did did on this one. (laughs) Yeah. So we're like, okay, this is for the people, right? This is our altruistic mindset, you know, coming into play here. But before we begin to deconstruct this issue, KP, I want to make sure that we know that prior to Ye's high profile brand partners, cutting ties with him, that cat did quite a few things that were just as egregious and should have been counseled, you know, should have caused him to be counseled or him to at least be put on timeout for a while. Yes. For a little <laughs> okay. Bit. For a little I'm bit. Gonna, I'm going to name a few of them, right? Uh-huh. Remember when he said slavery was a choice? <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, slavery was a choice? Was a choice. We going there. Yeah. I mean, like, if that right there didn't tell you what you needed to know, we should have shut it down. Yeah, you know? I knew then. I knew then it was a wrap. It was a wrap. <laughs> I mean, look, recently he also had the White Lives Matter jacket on. I don't know who he was with, like when he was showing like the That White was the Lives fashion Matter. show. It was his fashion show that oh, he was doing. God. He made his black models wear a White Lives Matter t-shirt as part of his fashion show. Come on, man. Like that right there, like seriously. That's another situation that probably should have had that brother on timeout for real. For you know real. what? It shouldn't even been timeout. Somebody need to make him go cut the switch off the tree and bring it back. 
right. know what I'm saying? We're going to whoop your ass with the switch that That's you right. get off the tree. Yes. You know what I'm get a branch. As yeah, a exactly. And the crazy part about the White Lives Matter statement, like that's a slogan that has been linked to the Anti-Defamation League to the Ku Klux Klan. Like, yeah. I mean, that's crazy. Like, and, and we're walking around thinking this is okay. I think the other one for me is he also was talking on a recent podcast where he was suggesting that George Floyd died from a fentanyl overdose rather than by the hands of police brutality. Mm, mm, mm. Keith, I mean, these are all situations. If you just looked at them individually, mm-hmm. should this have been, been reason enough for us just to say, time out, bro. Go go get get your mind right before you come back here and get money out of the community, Absolutely. so to speak. This just tells you that he doesn't have the right village around him to yank his ass up. No, exactly. Exactly. That's a mess. That's a mess. At the end of the day, all this anti-Semitism and anti-Black racism really lies at the core of white supremacist ideology that we've talked about quite a bit. And you just look at today's political discussions. You remember that infamous Unite the Right rally of white supremacists in Charlottesville five Mm -hmm. years ago, right? You know, activists were there. That whole rally was touted as being in Charlottesville to protest the removal of the statue of Robert E. Lee, right? The Confederate statues at the time. And they carried around all them Confederate flags and shouted White Lives Matter. But yet, they also took it a step further and started landing the Jewish people, right? With banners that said, in Jewish control over America now, and shouted, Jews will not replace us. So all of this anti-Semitism, anti-Black racism, All of it is tied into all of that white nationalist, white supremacy Mm -hmm. stuff at the end of the day. And we got this brother. They then got drinking this Kool-Aid that's out there saying this stuff, too, that's harmful, not only to black people, but more importantly, to Jewish people. Like, that's like this is this is ridiculous. I mean, look, when I think about, you know, growing up, Keith, I mean, look, man. You think you grew up where you grew up. I grew up where I grew up. Like we talk about this all of the time. And the way I see this is we always speak about how valuable diversity is and diversity, having diverse experiences when you were a child or when you're a kid. I just remember growing up, man. I mean, I'm talking about coming from Oklahoma and then going to L.A. and then going to school in Orange County and some other Man, I got the opportunity to meet just so many people who were different than me. And I think about, you know, some of the relationships that I still have with some of my friends who were Jewish. You know, I I remember going to bar mitzvahs. I remember eating dinner, you know, at their house and, you know, just learning the culture. And it was just so rich because you realize when you don't know this, okay, you have the potential to grow up and be ridiculous like we're talking about, you know, right now. And again, it's just the culture, you know, of it, whether it's food, whether it's traditions, whether it's more importantly, the history. Those are the conversations I remember sitting down with Matt, Brian, some of these cats and talking to their family, their their grandparents, you know, and whatnot, and talking about those scenarios, which made me hypersensitive to what they had to go through, which also meant I'm thinking about the friendship that we have, like, because we are bonded with the struggle. It makes total sense. And I mean, I could have very easily been ridiculous. I don't know where Kanye, I can't remember where he grew up now, but, you know, I grew up in the South, as you know, and to my knowledge, there wasn't any Jewish people around. I don't remember hearing about Jewish people, knowing about Jewish people, any of that really coming up through my childhood um, in the South. In fact, being Jewish, even being Catholic, for that matter, were considered like 
voodoo religions and and things like that so i think a lot of people had to actually be in the closet and just kind of hide their identity mm-hmm. for the fear of of some sort of backlash at the end of the day but i've always kept an open mind and i've never had any prejudice against anybody that was jewish but it just wasn't part of my experience growing up but once i had jewish friends and had jewish colleagues I dove into that curiosity just like you did. I understood mm-hmm. the food and the history and the and the traditions and the history um, that gave me a sensitivity and really open, continued to open my mind to the broader world out there so that I had that level of sensitivity going forward. Yeah. And, and the crazy part is when you think about how we get to where we are right now, like, I mean, a lot of like, like our mindset, how we think about Jewish people, the same way people think about Black people or Asian people or brown people, like whatever it is, it all comes from just ridiculous stereotypes. <laughs> you know, like you're thinking like some of the stereotypes that I, I hear and like, I don't know it to be true. OK, I don't know it to be false. I have an, a large inkling that some of this stuff is false. Right. Yes, but you yes. hear it and it just sounds so ridiculous. So some of the stereotypes that I think about is just Jews control the financial system Hollywood and the legal system. Yeah, like, all of it. You know, and at the end of the day, if you're thinking if they control all of this stuff, why are we talking about this stuff then? You right. know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> at the end of the day, like, if I had control of something, I sure would make sure that we wouldn't be talking, you know, about some of these things. I, if we had the control or the power there. Now, granted, I will admit there is a large percentage uh, people in power broker type roles or positions who are from the Jewish community, but I can't say all. Okay, let's just like saying all Asians are smart in math, like we talked about. Right. All Asians are just in the, I have quite a few friends who aren't smart in math, right? Yes, and that's right. Asian, that's okay, that's like right. again, but these are the stereotypes Those are know, the that stereotypes. we talk about here. But I'm sure you and I both have Jewish friends who are in the struggle. They they ain't controlling nothing. <laughs> right, 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 right. Now, and that leads into the the other big conspiracy. This conspiracy about Jewish. Their whole mo is about world domination. They want to take over the world and just control everything, and creates that kind of fear in the system that that's what they're here. They're just evil people trying to play with our minds and take over. Yeah. Everything. You know, it's just crazy. World domination. I mean, these are like these are huge. I mean, but again, this is all of the QAnon type stuff. All this, like, like when you really sit back and you think about it, like, is this really true? Like, can, can it really be true? Like, we're gonna spend time talking about this stuff, and then you do develop hatred towards an individual or a group of people or what have you, based off of some stuff that you don't heard. Not, no stuff you know, like right. stuff that you know of, stuff right. that you've heard. The stuff you heard. Yeah, I mean, I think there's another one. Like when I think about um, one of the the biggest ones out there, like uh, is Jewish people are to blame for the death of Jesus and have unforgiving hostility towards Christianity. Right. right. Really? That's right. Really? Really? Like, yeah, but, that's mean, the kind of stuff I heard growing up in church. Mm-hmm. That's why I talk about in the South. That's exactly what they teach, which is just crazy. It's like, yeah, really. Now again, we I, I I get it. It was it was written down, but you don't know anybody who actually. Right. <laughs> you, don't, you don't know anybody. Like you, know, you can't talk to somebody who knew somebody who somebody who was standing next to the man who was standing next to the man who right. actually saw it. You know what I'm saying? You can't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But but again, this is a stereotype. It's a stereotype, and one we see often or hear about often, especially in the news or on TV shows and things like that. That Jews are greedy and nitpicky and stingy 
right? Just, you know, just hoard everything and, and, and real greedy and want to have all the money and trying to negotiate for every, every penny that they can and all the things, right? And it's like, no. Because we, we both have some relatives right now that we can name. We're not going to put nobody out there who are stingy, greedy, negotiate for everything, and they're not Jewish. That's right. <laughs> that's not even close. Right? Yeah, they're not Jewish. I know lots of cultures that negotiate because if you don't, that's how you get screwed at the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, absolutely. And look, our whole thing is we're trying to teach everybody how to negotiate, right? We're trying to teach everybody how to do this. So That's right. That's right. You don't have nothing to do about being Jewish. It's about that's trying right. to get the best We deal. definitely want you to be nitpicky and greedy when it comes to your coin. I'm going to exactly. tell you that. Right. Be stingy on what you're looking for. So look, I think the complaining, another stereotype here is like the complaining and the guilt inflicted Jewish mother, (laughs) right? Like Mm -hmm. the stereotype generally involves like a nagging, loud, highly talkative, overprotective, smothering and overbearing mother or a wife who persists in interfering in her children's lives long after they're adults and who is great at making her children feel guilty for things that may have caused her to suffer. Right. Like, man, this 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 kind of sound like my mama right here. That's Lord, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, we just, hey, I love me some Sandra K, but damn, it sounds like they just described her. It like you know, described to me. her. That's right. <laughs> and, and there's not a Jewish bone in her body, you know? No, that's right. <laughs> that's hilarious. And that just triggers for me. And that's one that you see in TVs and movies. Yeah, all the time, absolutely. Right? That is the SNL, you know, just all over the place. And another one that shows up is kind of having that spoiled and materialistic Jewish American princess, right? And I remember hearing jokes growing up about Jewish American princess. And at the time, I didn't have any context for it. And I didn't get any context for it until much later in life. But if you look at certain films and TV portrayals, you know, the racism is obvious, right? Right. <laughs> the whole thing and how they, how they uh, talk about young Jewish women and you know the pretentiousness and the materialistic and all, all of those things. And my closest version of that, you know, the black part of that is that old Robert Townsend film Baps. Yeah. You know, I, <laughs> I remember Baps when they had the black version of the Jewish American princess. So, but but it's that same kind of negative stereotype about materiality, right? I mean, I think and that, that Baps was actually really funny, okay? Yeah, I, 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 won't, I, won't, I won't divert our attention to what we need to do, but there's some super funny parts. And so when we when we finish this show, I'm going to tell you my funniest part, you know, of that yes, show. Yes, that's right. Okay? Like, both groups, like, when I think about, like, Jewish and Black, like, solidarity, I mean, I think there is, like, a history of this, right? There are things that bring us together. And I was kind of speaking or alluding to this when I was talking about speaking to my, some of my friends' grandparents and, you know, some of their parents and whatnot. But both groups, Black and, and, and Jewish, have long, like a long history of just persecution. It is what it is at the end of the day. There's a communal experience of being othered, you know, like for centuries. As uh, Ethan B. Katz and Deborah uh, Lipstadt stated in their CNN opinion piece, far more unites Black and Jewish Americans than actually divides them. They point out that Each community is profoundly invested in remembering episodes of like persecution, violence, contested freedom that continue to shape their sense of fear, vulnerability and self-worth until today. So, again, we're talking about a history of this. Like you don't just wake up feeling this way. There's a reason why you feel. You feel this way. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Why you feel othered there. And as we look about it in both communities, there's a version 
of the talk. You know, we 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 speak about this all the time, but the talk. Okay, yep. probably all black parents in the U.S. have transmitted the message to their children, especially the sons, that because you are black, you will constantly be perceived and judged differently. Be careful. Always, you know, keep your head down. Like, don't bring yep. attention, you know, yep. to you. Be polite, deferential, and cooperative, especially with authority figures. Don't conceal your hands in any possible way that might arouse suspicion around you. And mm-hmm. above all, come home alive. Okay. There you go. I feel like you are my parent just talking to me. <laughs> Right. But when you think about the comparisons, like in Jewish families, there's a similar kind of talk, you know, there. So whether from a parent, teacher, account counselor, most Jewish children eventually learn a hard truth, similar to what we're speaking about. From the moment they enter the world, they are there are people who hate them or have uh, hated them in not so in the not so distant past. Right. Like when we talk about the hate, like this wasn't like it was a long, long time ago here, but murdered Jews who were just like them uh, simply for being Jews. No other reason, just for being Jews. It's a bewildering story, like when you really think about it. In this light, Jewish children learn that they too should keep their head down and be careful where they choose to wear Jewish attire, like a yarmulke, you know, which is the head covering, or a necklace with the Star of David or a Hebrew lettering on it. I mean, it's like the, the similarities are ominous, you know, yes, here. When absolutely. you really start thinking about the being the other, you mm-hmm. know, the talk or things that you have to pay attention to, that some folks have the luxury of not ever even having to worry about that. Yeah, they get to not, just be. Not even thinking about they it. They get to just be. Mm-hmm. Just get to be. And, you know, and there was a lot of solidarity. I mean, if we're talking about history and looking at history, too, a ton of solidarity between Black and Jewish people during the civil rights movement of the 50s and 60s where you had rabbis, you know, Rabbi Abraham uh, Herschel, as a matter of fact, march right next to Martin Luther King all through his ventures, mm-hmm. you know, you know, locked, locked arms with him. In Alabama, you had other, you know, rabbis and chaplains who were lobbying behind the scenes to help pass the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Because again, they understood that shared experience of oppression. So they had empathy for that. But they also recognize that they had some privilege of whiteness that allowed mm-hmm. them to advocate for others. Because, again, at the end of the day, you can see my blackness every day. Right. But you may not see that yarmulke or that necklace that I'm wearing. So I can at least use that privilege in ways to help promote for other people who are, are oppressed. Yeah. And some of those people like Keith, as you were saying, I was thinking about some of those people who marched along with him, like the Joe Rose, uh, the Arnold uh, Aronsons and the Marvin Kaplan. I mean, they like that was huge. That was a big deal, you know, back then. They put their life on the line. They put their lives on the line. Yeah. And, and, you know, we think about like, you know, even some of the freedom riders when we're talking about that, like some of like some of those individuals were Jewish people. Yes. Ended up the first ones murdered. Yes. Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. I mean, it's just a big deal. So I think about, you know, I think about this because, you know, again, I know we'll get into it a little bit later, but to be able to make comments and statements like irresponsible comments and statements like, you know, former President Trump would make or like some of these Congress people are now, you know, Kanye or even, you know, as you were saying, 
The Charlottesville Jews will not replace us. All those things. All of that stuff. I mean, we have to remember that as Black and Jewish people, our lives are on the line, okay? Like every day. Some of the recent murders, for example, in the houses of worship, like we're talking about Charleston, okay? It's Father Emanuel, yep. Right. Talking about the Tree of Life synagogue. Like these are like big deals here. Like we can't just sweep it under the rug. So again, when you make statements like this, this keeps reminding us that our lives can't be as important because if they were, we wouldn't be doing this type of stuff. That's right. That's exactly right. And you think about the perpetrators of all of those things for some reason, they always are able to seem to walk out alive. Yes. Yes. Get your little hamburger on your way. Yeah. Get That's your right. hamburger. That's right. Get exactly. So we're not, we're not going to go there today. <laughs> point that out. That's right. And, you know, and really the power of Black and Jewish solidarity is really the strongest and the tightest at the ballot box. And yeah. We're probably the most aligned political blocks in the country when you look at the statistics of how Black people vote and Jewish people vote. Um, They are in lockstep. And you could see this play out in Georgia in 2020 when you had a coalition of Black and Jewish voters elect the first Black senator and the first Jewish senator in the state's history in the state of Georgia ever. Right. Because those two blocks showed up and showed out for their people. That's absolutely right. And then we need to fight with our Jewish brothers and sisters to get Jewish holidays recognized in the workplace, as well as show support for the Jewish employee resource groups and other cultural recognitions, right? I mean, I think it's when we talk about getting on code, this is the stuff we're talking about. We need to be fighting towards. I mean, we show we can do it at the ballot box. Absolutely. I mean, we can absolutely do it. So we need to take it one step further and start hitting these pockets, Right. You know, start right. getting right. some of these organizations and kind of forcing, you know, action and forcing change. And I just think about this again. I kind of come back to like the impact of Kanye's actions. So, look, we're taking it in a totally different area here, yeah. but we're having a conversation about the impacts. We're talking about like what our, our solidarity has brought. We're yeah. talking about what our own cultural educational learnings, how it's impacted us. Well, the impact, you know, when Kanye makes comments like he does, when he does the White Lives Matter, all of these things, and we talked about that playing out in Charleston, you know, here, it harms us all, right? Yes, I mean, right. And, and I don't want to have to answer to, you know, my coworkers or whoever else who says, what do you think Kanye meant by that? Because at the end of the day, I have no idea. Yeah, that's <laughs> you right. You know what I mean? Because if he knows what I know, there's no way in hell he could have ever made any statements like this. Like, none of them. We named five, six things that he's done that probably should have had him in time out a long time ago. Yeah, no doubt. And I think about these actions, you know, not only does it cause harm for all of us, it continues to reinforce all of these Jewish stereotypes we talked about earlier and kind of solidify white nationalism. Yes. um, At the end of the day. And I just wanted to spend a couple minutes. I was just recently reading this article by um, Eric K. Ward, where he writes about American white nationalism and basically said, you know, this whole movement emerged in the wake of the civil rights struggle that we were just talking about in the 60s and descends from white supremacy. And it's a revolutionary social movement committed to building a whites only nation and anti-Semitism forms its theoretical core. Right. At the end of the day. Because we need to recognize that anti-Semitism is not a sideshow to racism within white nationalist thought. You hear that? It's not a sideshow to racism. They they yeah. run hand in hand. <laughs> right? 
And the fuel that white nationalist ideology uses to power is anti-Black racism and its contempt for other people of color, the xenophobia, the misogyny, all of those forms of hatred is kind of moored in anti-Semitism, right? White nationalists in the U.S. perceive the country as having plunged into an unending crisis since the 1960s, which supposedly depossessed white people of their very nation. (laughs) We just took something away. Yeah, go figure. Go figure. Really? (laughs) We know we didn't take away power. We know we didn't take away power. No privilege at the end of the day. And really, the success of the civil rights movement kind of created this hysteria and kind of created a problem for white supremacist ideologies, right? Because they're in their mind, they're like thinking, how can a race of inferiors start to gain power and unseat this power structure that we've created at the end of the day? And it goes even further when you think about the feminist movement and the LGBTQ movement, you know, all those things are like, you know, usurping, you know, traditional gender roles and challenges to global capitalism and all the things around Muslims and just hip hop music. How could we get a black president? All of this stuff, you know, creates all this diabolical BS in their heads where they're just running on a rat wheel and saying, how are we losing? Right, right. (laughs) When it comes to sharing, when it comes to sharing, I still have my power, but now I'm giving you some tour. I'm giving you the same view. Yes. Like I'm losing now. I'm losing because I can't see, I can't see it all the way I was before. I'm losing. Yeah. And that stereotype and that convention that we talked about of how Jews are looking for world domination. So they tie all this shit together and say, well, somebody has to be at the center of it. It has to be the Jewish people who kind of look like us, but they didn't killed our God and took our money and they're helping to fuel all this shit. So it's their fault. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all tied together people it's all tied together so this whole white uh nationalist and white supremacist basically the jews kind of they are in it for themselves and kind of represent the greatest trick the devil has ever played yeah keith that's a ton there but it's so true it's so true like when you talk to people who you know, oftentimes we get into these debates, Keith, you you know how we are when we get to traveling and everything else. And folks want to know what our opinion, you know, is. But we we hear some of the same ridiculousness, yep. Yep. you know, coming in here all of the time. So it's again, we're trying to educate people. But at the end of the day, I can't really change people's mindset if they're not willing to change, you're willing to listen. Oh, for sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is <laughs> crazy. But this gives what you talked about to me gives so much legitimacy to Trumpism, okay? The meteoric rise of white nationalism within our national discourse over the past six years with the emergence of Trump is not coincidental. Like this didn't just- Not at all. It just wasn't like the stars aligned that day, okay? Trump's dog whistles and coded speech at, you know, fascist style rallies, his support of and from the at right and his placement of white nationalists popularizes like in top jobs. You know what I mean? Like he puts this stuff in top jobs in his administration and it had put like democracy as we know it at risk. Like the way we grew up and thought it was in terms of democracy, all that's up, uh, up in the air. Up in you the know, air. Now. You know, right. we're trying to create something new, you know, here. These are when you see something happening, you know, it's not right. Now we're trying to make it right. We're trying to like 
<laughs> operationalized ridiculousness again, yes. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and having people like Kanye West buy into the rhetoric is disappointing and dangerous for all of us trying to dismantle these systems of oppression. Yeah, you no know? doubt. No doubt. And that's what he doesn't understand. Maybe he doesn't care. Right. Obviously, he doesn't give a damn because he wouldn't have said and still doing it. He's not even doubling down. He's like quadrupling down at this right, point. Right, right. It's like, <laughs> you just don't give a damn. But And the impact of all of this is that folks like us continue to have to suffer at the hands of all of this oppression uh, because you have knuckleheads out here like Kanye doing what he's doing. I mean, that that's absolutely right, Keith. I mean, and the moral of the story to me, man, is anti-Semitism and racism are basically cut from the same damn cloth. Okay, they are designed to tear us apart and stop progress. So stay woke, everybody. I mean, like this is part of the game to kind of pull us apart, to say stuff like to get this. This is all time that we can't get back. We're spending time talking about shit that's taking you from the from the plan, you know, so to speak. And now we're doing this. But again, Keith, look, I know people sit back and they say, Keith and Ricky, they own one today. Okay, they just talking about it and they've given us their point of view. Well, now is the time when we back up what we're talking about with the receipts. So, again, Kanye said what he did, what he said, and he's been doing all of these actions. There's some receipts, you know, here that we'd like to be able to kind of share with you all in terms of the impact of anti-Semitism. So, Keith, why don't you just take us through uh, receipt number one? Yeah. And if you don't think this is a serious issue, the Anti-Defamation League Survey of American Attitudes Towards Jews found that Over time, anti-Semitic attitudes have remained constant in America, with 11% of American adults, which is about 28 million people, harboring deeply ingrained anti-Semitic attitudes by agreeing with six or more of the common tropes about Jews that were covered in the survey. Long-standing stereotypes about Jewish power and business and the dual loyalty notion of Jews that are more loyal to Israel than their home country remain deeply entrenched, are an especially widespread um, in the U.S. It, in fact, it found more than half of American adults, 61% uh, polled, agree with at least one or more of the classic anti-Semitic tropes. And again, 11% agree with all six or more. I mean, but 61% believe in some nonsense. Yes. 61%. It's some nonsense. That's right. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. Look, receipt number two, the ADL survey found that nearly one in five Americans, which is 19%, believe Jews still talk too much about what happened to them in the Holocaust. So basically, they should be trying to get over it, right? A disturbing finding at a time when research has shown that Americans are uh, becoming less aware of the events of the Holocaust at time passes, and you know, as time passes. So yeah, again, and a lot of it's getting swept out of the books, out of the history books and everything else with under CRT and all this other stuff, right? That critical race theory, here we go again. So Jewish disloyalty is a widespread and anti-Semitic stereotype with 24% of Americans agreeing with the statement, Jews are more loyal to Israel than to America. Okay, stereotypes about how Jewish control of businesses and the financial markets are among the most promiscuous and enduring anti-Semitic belief. Right. Like this is the one that just is just out there with 15 percent finding Jewish people have too much power in the business world. And 10 percent agree with this statement. Jews are more willing than others to use shady practices 
to get what they want. Again, we're talking about people getting rewarded, you know, to be able to to uh, get the best price and everything else. But we're saying when Jews do it, it's shady practices to get what they want. Yes, okay, that's right. so nearly one third of respondents, which is thirty one percent, say that Jewish employers go out of their way to hire other Jews. And 17% said that the movie and television industries are pretty much run by Jews. Now, historical myths about Jews are also still prevalent. 27% responded that they believe that Jews killed Christ. So again, we're talking about these stereotypes earlier, Keith, here. These are some numbers. Like, we're not just pulling those out of a hat. Right. This is what like a very large percentage of individuals believe to be true, to be, you true. know, to be true about our Jewish brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. And receipt number three, the American in the American uh, Jewish Committee's annual state of anti-Semitism in the America report. Ninety percent of Jewish people believe anti-Semitism is a problem in the U.S., and 82 percent believe that anti-Semitism has increased in the U.S. in the past five years. And further, nearly half of 46% of Jews believe anti-Semitism is taken less seriously than other forms of bigotry and hate in the U.S. Jeez, that's a disturbing receipt. That's a a hugely disturbing receipt. And look, our final receipt here, receipt number four, the American Jewish Committee's annual state of uh, anti-Semitism in America report also surveyed non-Jewish citizens. And the contrast is on display with what you just shared there, Keith. Only 60% of respondents believe anti-Semitism is a problem in the U.S. And only 30-point gap. gap. Yeah, that's huge. And only uh, 44% believe anti-Semitism has risen in the past five years, like are just totally clueless, unaware. Unaware. And 60% of people claim they have not seen any anti-Semitic incidents or heard any anti-Semitic remarks in the past 12 months. <laughs> what has this whole episode been about? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you ain't seen this shit in the news about Kanye, holy moly, holy moly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, again, I don't want to just be piling on silly people out here, but again, these are the receipts that show that this is a larger issue than just Kanye you know, here, right? Like, this is a huge issue. So this is the part of the show, though, Keith, when we just navigate into the secrets, right? Because as crazy as it is out there in the world, we want to give you some tools, resources to be able to deal with crazy. So today, we will provide three secrets on how to overcome anti-Semitism. And those three secrets are understand the history. Number two, support Jewish organizations. And then number three, speak up. I mean, it's as simple as that. So, Keith, maybe expand on, you know, secret number one for us. Yeah, that's secret number one. Understand the history. You know, as that old saying goes, if you don't understand your history, we're bound to repeat it. Right. At the end of the day. So like you were talking about before, the, you know, being able to sit down with your Jewish friends, grandparents and hearing mm-hmm. some of those stories. Right. So we have to understand the centuries of Jewish and black persecution and oppression and the oppression of other um, BIPOC colleagues as well. And read about the bonds that were formed between our communities, you know, during times like the civil rights movement and other struggles in the U.S. and globally, because that's really important because the old M.O. is always trying to tear us apart and pit us against each other. And so being anchored in the history and the understanding will help us, you know, 
stay focused on and keep our eyes on the prize, right? Um, and also, it's important to understand that the work ain't done. There's still no. a lot more to do at the end of the day, and we need to stay in the game. And just because you haven't seen it take place right. doesn't mean it ain't happened. That's okay? right. Okay. Just exactly because right. you didn't hear it doesn't mean it's not being said. That's right. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, I mean, the receipts speak for themselves, you know, so to speak there, right? Yep. Secret number two, support Jewish organizations. I mean, contribute to the Anti-Defamation League and other organizations. Give your time. Lend your voice. Like when we say give your time, we're talking sweat equity. It's, yes. it's like we're saying support financially, but support with your sweat equity. Lend your voice. I mean, that's the way you actually learn to Keith's point when you understand the history. If you really understand the history, how can you not want to you know, be a part of it? Because it's one of those things where when you're in a protected class, you want people to understand your history and why you suffer. But you also have to figure out why other people, you know, That's suffer. Right. You Understand know, you their point of view as well. That's right. And it is also that giving of your time and their voice. We talked about the the power of the vote, right? Yes. And yes. we got an election, a 2022 election. We'll have another one in 2024. It's So it's super, super important that we lock arms and, and make sure that our voices are heard at the end of the day. And secret number three, which gets to it, is speak up. You know, we all know silence is fatal and it's complicity also um, when we don't speak up. You know, we, we must call out bigotry and discrimination wherever we see it and allowing all these anti-Semitic tropes and remarks and stereotypes to continue and don't push back on it. It only slows down the progress that we're trying to achieve and it puts democracy on a shaky ground at the end of the day. Just look where we are right now as a country, five years, six years from six years ago and just the amount of anti-Semitic hate and everything that's flowing through the system, all the racism that's flowing through the system, that's put us on, and all the fake news and false information, that's put us on shaky ground. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and the thing that I always think about is the generations that's coming up behind us. Yeah. You know, like the kids, like it used to be, you used to have rules, <laughs> you know, to this, don't do this. Don't say this. Now it's like, just say whatever you want to say. And I understand freedom of speech. I understand freedom of speech. That doesn't give you the right to hurt people. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, it doesn't give you the right. Exactly. It doesn't (laughs) give you the right to hurt people. It doesn't give you the right to lie. You know, so look, Keith, we want to transition a little bit. Let's talk about the other three secrets here that that we wanted to share. And we want, at this point, we want to share three secrets on how organizations can resist, you know, anti-Semitism, you know, here, right? Secret number one, just keep canceling people like Kanye. Yep. Like, like, and look, this ain't black on black crime. This is, <laughs> this is stupidity right here, fighting stupidity, right? Keep canceling the Kanye's. We're not usually in this council culture, like advocates, you know, here. We're not usually into that. But this is one where we just have to call a spade a spade and yep. just cancel ridiculousness here. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's time to go. Bye. You just said too much stupid stuff now to get an opportunity. Yeah. And again, like, don't wait, like as an organization, don't wait until like, like, let's see what people say. Like, yeah. if, they say, like if, if something is stupid, if somebody says something that's harmful to others, if it's not a part of like your company's culture or your, you know, code of ethics, what do you need to wait for? I understand the money, 
But like, what do you need to wait for? If if people see you actually doing the right thing, it'll probably make you more money as an organization. Yep. Probably is. I mean, that's why Kanye said the thing about Adidas, because they were the last ones to crumble, right? Yeah. You know, everybody else was like, boom, boom, boom. And then Adidas was sitting there. So he's like, what you going to do, Adidas? What you going to do? Like, like I thought. Yeah, you ain't going to say nothing. Like, what you going to say? Nothing. <laughs> like I thought. <laughs> but, hey, Adidas still got him at the end. Good for that. Secret number two for organizations is, as we mentioned individually, organizations also need to step up and partner with Jewish organizations to root out anti-Semitism, right? Partnering with the Anti-Defamation League or the American Jewish Committee and other organizations that are fighting to end oppression and, and make the world better. Um, organizations really need to need to step up and don't be performative, writing the check and then not showing up for anything else or when these hateful things are happening, put your head in under the rug and and not really commit to the cause. Yeah, no, no, that's that's a great point. I think the final one here, uh, the final secret for organizations and what they can do to root this out is recognize Jewish holidays and traditions in the workplace, like in your workplace. I mean, we, we we're we're quick to try to to do these things, putting certain food in the cafeteria, giving time out for X. You know, it, I think it's time for us to actually start recognizing some of the Jewish holidays more than we do today. There's more than just one holiday. OK, yeah. to be able to uh, recognize that and the traditions, you know, in the workplace as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's I know a lot of companies wrestle with this. It's like, oh, we give we already give, you know, 12 holidays in the year, 11 or 13 holidays. What if I give two more? Who else I'm going to have to give some? Yeah. To? <laughs> you know, that's two more days of lost work or what? Get out of here. <laughs> Just, this is not that hard. Just do it. Yeah, do absolutely. Thing. Again, right. we talk about making people, making your workforce happy. They'll work harder for you. They'll work harder for you. Ding, That's ding, right. ding. There's a there's a thought. <laughs> 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 so as we wrap up here, you can find more resources on the secrets and receipts that we shared today by going to our website, secrets.com and looking in those show notes for the episodes. We'll have some good resources in there so you don't forget. Right, exactly. And I, I know, look, Keith, before we sign off, I know we do this every week. And I know people end up saying, why, why you guys, you know, try to encourage people to do, to write these reviews and to do this, that, the other. Well, look, at the end of the day, we, we just want to be appreciative for everything that, that our listeners have provided for us and our secret, like our secrets, community of practice, our village, because again, this would not be able to happen you know, without you. And as, as a witness to this is, again, we recently won the Listener's Love Award from the Black Podcasters Association. And it's, again, all because of you. Like that's, you all voted, you know, on what you like to hear and why you want us to continue to bring this to you. So you listen, you engage, you bring others to the village. You have made all of this possible. We just want to be able to say thank you. So again, I'm asking one more time for you all just to go on to Apple or to Spotify Write that review because, again, it matters. We keep seeing new reviews pop up on there. We're going to start kind of reading some of those out loud, you know, also for you there because some of them are pretty funny. But follow us on uh, LinkedIn and continue to comment and share on social media. All of this helps us to continue to build this village out for you all. And, you know, PR and I are locked in on getting you that coin, getting that wallet thick. <laughs> right. That big wallet. You gotta That's put it right. in your, you gotta put it in your front pocket. You can't That's right. that one. <laughs> We're locked in. And with the holidays around the corner, that you know, the end of the year coming to an end, give yourself a present and invest in yourself. 
right? And get what you deserve, right? So if you've been thinking about it and and gnawing on it and trying to figure out how to get your finances right, just do it, right? Because really, you want to set yourself up as the new year starts for something new, right? And, you know, working with us or other folks, this is the way to do it. This is how you build that generational wealth. And you can have a whole new life in a few months. So invest in yourself, invest in yourself. And go check out that gear too. Those make good holiday presents for other people. You buy the coaching and give the gear to somebody else. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So look, as a reminder, I just want to just tell everyone, Keith, the system is set up to make you feel like you are crazy. You're going to hear shit like Kanye saying this nonsense and everything else that happens. Slavery was a choice and everything. You ain't crazy. We know, we know, we know you're not crazy and we're not going to normalize crazy. That's right. Okay. So tracks you. Yeah, absolutely. This is the stuff that keeps you from getting where you need to be. So again, I just want to tell everybody again, you're not crazy. Keep on listening to your brother's KP and PR tell you to validate for you that you are absolutely not crazy. So again, I just want to tell everybody, Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to Secrets. And remember, when we share, you transform. We out. Peace, everybody. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed yet another episode of Secrets. In fact, one listener said that with Secrets, I learn new, actionable information listening to KP and PR. I enjoy the balance of data with the testimony of real experience, and we hope you agree. If you are motivated and excited after listening to Keith and Ricky, please show these brothers some love. Subscribe and write a review on our podcast. And last, but certainly not least, elevate your professional game by signing up for our executive coaching services. Check us out at www.secrets.com to get more information about our secret services. Remember, when we share, you transform. Until next time, cheers.